30 seconds, reality as you know it will cease to exist. In its place, you will find a new dimension, identical to the one you left behind, only slightly better. Take a deep breath and open your mind to the magic within you. This is no ordinary podcast. This podcast is with Richard May you live in interesting times. You've probably heard this phrase before. You may have even heard that it's an old Chinese curse, but that claim is largely apocryphal. There's no Chinese source for the origin of the phrase, and the closest Chinese expression translates as, better to be a dog during peacetime than a human in times of war. Which, yeah, isn't really quite there. Some scholars believe the phrase originated in a speech made by the British politician Joseph Chamberlain in 1898. What Chamberlain said was, I think that you will all agree that we are living in most interesting times. I never remember myself a time in which our history was so full, in which day by day brought us new objects of interest, and, let me say also, new objects for anxiety. Regardless of the origin of this particular expression, it's safe to say we're currently living in interesting times, and recent days have definitely brought new objects for anxiety. At the time of this recording, March 15, 2020, the virus known as COVID-19, or coronavirus, is sweeping both the globe and the public consciousness. There have been 142,539 reported cases worldwide, with 3,100 in the United States, and those are just the ones that have been tested and verified. In New York City, where I reside, public schools are set to close this week, Broadway shows are completely shuttered, and authorities are encouraging everyone to stay home and practice social distancing. Although, when I walk past packed bars and restaurants in my neighborhood, it seems like New Yorkers are still a little mixed about what that actually means. And here I am, one lone wizard, holed up at home, thinking about the role wizardry plays in these interesting times. As you're aware, this podcast as a ritual is a time and space spanning ritual using magic to steer us towards a slightly better tomorrow. Since today is yesterday's tomorrow, you might be wondering what's so slightly better about this global pandemic we've waltzed ourselves right into. That's a fair question. I'm not going to claim that, if you squint your eyes and look at it sideways, a global pandemic is actually a good thing and everything is still proceeding nicely along my magical master plan. Because that's not how the world works. That's not how magic works. And that's not what wizardry is about. The magic we're creating now, through this podcast, spans time and space. I'm here in Brooklyn, New York, sitting in my Sanctum Sanctorum on Sunday, March 15th. And you're not here now. But these words are still reaching you later, wherever and whenever that might be. And together, we're sharing an experience. Now, my goal in this particular podcast episode is twofold, as I'm currently speaking to two very different audiences. The first are all you contemporary listeners who are hearing this in the days and weeks ahead while coronavirus continues to dominate conversations 
cancel plans, and present itself as a very large object for anxiety. And for you listeners, my focus will be on how we can stay calm, keep connected, and use wizardry to understand why slightly better is a very powerful magic, even in interesting times that feel a lot more like exponentially worse than anything else. The second group is all of the listeners who tune into this episode after the fact, when coronavirus has calmed down and events are happening again, and you're looking back on this as a chapter in history rather than an apocalypse in action. For you listeners, this episode is a time capsule of how one wizard felt in this historic moment and the advice and solace he sought to offer. But there's also a third group, a very special group, who listens to this episode both now and later. And if you're in that first group, anxiously listening and feeling uncertain about will there even be a later, I invite you to take a moment to imagine that future you listening to these words again, sending back the knowledge and certainty that you do get through this, just like you've gotten through other challenging and difficult moments in your life. Which is why our magic word today is perspective. So whenever, wherever, however, and whoever you are listening to this now, take a nice deep breath, and on the count of three, say the word with me. One, two, three, perspective. Great. Now let's talk about how to apply magic to interesting times. A common misconception is that magic is about control. If we learn how to do the secret spells, we can get the job of our dreams, force our crush to fall in love with us, and acquire all the wealth and power we could ever desire. It's a very understandable human impulse to crave this sort of control, but it's not an approach to magic that I find especially productive. First, if this was how magic worked, there'd be a lot less broke and lonely magicians in the world. Two, we'd also need to have a very serious chat about the consent implications of forcing our crushes to fall in love with us. Now, while I'm neither a Christian nor in a recovery program, my take on magic looks a lot more like the serenity prayer often invoked at Alcoholics Anonymous and other 12-step meetings. It goes like this. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can, and wisdom to know the difference. While I don't want to have a debate about what it means to believe in God, I do believe in consensus reality. Not as a static, stable, objective, capital T, truth, but as a swirling and constantly switching agreement on what we collectively believe to be true. And that consensus changes based on who we're including in the collective. That's why elections aren't decided by a single magician's spell, but involve multi-year campaigns to sway public opinion to manifest the desired future. So while personal will is an important part of magic, it's not the be-all and end-all. And this is why I take issue with those who take the law of attraction to extremes, saying that if you want wealth hard enough, if you think about it non-stop, it'll show up on your doorstep. Or if you get sick with cancer, well you must have been subconsciously trying to manifest that. Because the truth is, wealth and health are both part of vast, complex systems that we don't fully control and can't always change. Our bodies are made up of 37.2 trillion cells, collectively working to create the consensus we call me. 
even though we appear to be a veritable god when compared to a single cell, we don't have full control over our genetic processes, nor can we stop the inevitable onslaught of aging. We're just a 37.2 trillion piece Jenga tower jiggling and wiggling our way towards that next move, hoping the long, fat fingers of fate don't fuck this up for us. On the flip side, we're one of 7 billion, 770 million, 853,208 human beings living on this planet, making up a swarming mass of constantly shifting consensus realities networked through global systems of political power, economic trade, physical infrastructure, digital media, and more. Trying to understand what's happening on a global scale, let alone change it, is a task beyond the reach of any individual, which can understandably create feelings of overwhelm, insignificance, and anxiety. But that's not all. Look at it a different way, and we're participating in a 7,770,853,208 character play. And you've got a part. You made it past auditions, and you're in the mix. If you disappeared this instant, there'd only be 7,770,853,207 of us. We are all taking part in something that is so much bigger than us as individuals, and that can create feelings of wonder, amazement, and yes, serenity. To explain how to get to serenity, I'd like to move past magic for a moment to explore two of my other favorite M-words, metaphysics and mysticism. Meta, from the Greek meaning after or beyond, is a prefix meaning more comprehensive or transcending. Metaphysics deals with such fun topics as being, knowing, substance, cause, identity, time, and space, or in other words, the strange abstract grounds that encompass the physics that we use to deal with slightly more graspable topics like matter, energy, motion, forces, and things like that. I like to think of meta as the little magnifying glass tool that lets you zoom in and out. Keep zooming out and our crazy planet becomes, in the words of Carl Sagan, a pale blue dot. And the Milky Way galaxy becomes a long white schmear, and the universe becomes a, well, we don't really know that one. We haven't figured out how to zoom out that far, which is where we get into mysticism. Google mysticism, and you get these two slightly at odds definitions. One, belief that union with or absorption into the deity or the absolute or the spiritual apprehension of knowledge inaccessible to the intellect may be attained through contemplation and self-surrender. Two, belief characterized by self-delusion or dreamy confusion of thought, especially when based on the assumption of occult qualities or mysterious agencies. My own interpretation jives more with the first, although hey, I'm never one to turn down a little dreamy confusion if somebody's offering. And I see mysticism as a way to click the zoom out magnifying lens in our own mind until we reach the point where we're either looking at everything or nothing. And it's actually probably both at the same time. Said another way, I like to imagine magic and mysticism as two ends of one very long stick. Move out towards the mysticism end and all of our troubles seem so small and irrelevant from the max zoom meta perspective that we can slip into that ineffability of it all 
and experience some measure of serenity. But that view gets boring after a while, because we're still humans, immersed in the drama of the Earth-centric human experience. So we meander down to the other end of the stick, letting our lives come back into focus enough that we can see ourselves in context. And here's where we practice magic. Or as the serenity prayer says it, the courage to change the things I can. In an effort to explain practical occultism in the most straightforward manner possible, Robert Anton Wilson delivered the maxim, no external situation makes a mental state inevitable. I'll say it again. No external situation makes a mental state inevitable. Just as people with enough food to eat and all the physical safety money can afford have stayed up all night worrying about their own well-being, so too have people faced with impossible hardships and personal catastrophe found ways to keep their spirits up and persevere. I'm not saying it will always be easy, or that in the face of any difficulty we should maintain a supernatural state of beatific calm, but rather that we always have options. There is always something we can do to shift how we are thinking about the situation we find ourselves in even if it's just a little bit, which is why I believe that at the core of wizardry is the power of perspective. Along a vertical axis, we have the perspective of scale. We can zoom out far enough to see how little control we truly have, to accept that, and experience serenity and surrendering to forces far beyond our comprehension. Zooming back in, we reach a horizontal axis, which gives us the perspective of choice letting us stretch ourselves in every direction to explore the alternative options available to us in that moment. And wizardry, or wisdom, is knowing the difference. Which takes us back to now, Sunday, March 15th, 2020. Looking at things one way, I know that I've been sick before, and even though I'm a single individual that the global economy could easily function without, in that moment of being sick, It certainly felt like the end of the world to me. And maybe that's what the world is going through right now. It's sick. It has a bad flu. And it feels achy and anxious and annoyed and doesn't even have another globe-spanning civilization to come over and make sympathetic sounds and say, oh, poor baby, and feed it chicken soup. Or maybe it's far worse than that. Maybe that's a naive fantasy and we are truly entering the end of human civilization on Earth as we know it. I don't know. These matters are beyond me, so I submit to them. Serenely. But zooming in to the here and now of my individual life, recording this podcast I'm recording right now, this is how I've found the courage to change the things I can. By making an effort to stay calm, to reach out to others, and to work magic in the ways I know how. Because slightly better isn't an end. It's an option. We will always get dealt bad hands, sick parents, economic hardships, and the other unavoidable turmoils of the human experience. And we will always have a slightly better option, even if it's just saying, well, if I've got to go, I guess I'm going to go like this. The German idealist Hegel said world history is not the ground of happiness. The periods of happiness are empty pages in her. My friends... The 2020s are not going to be empty pages in whatever history books get written after. These are weird, frightening, challenging, 
and at the very least, interesting times we find ourselves in. I hope you are all ready to rise to the challenge and find some interesting options. I believe in you. Your magic is real. (laughs) 